Hey guys, and welcome to the Movement Docs Podcast. I'm Jake. And I'm Mike. And we're just two guys who want to help students and clinicians grow in the field of rehab. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 19 of the Movement Docs podcast. Today we got a very special guest, Dr. Kyle Feldman. Kyle graduated from Shenandoah University in 2011 with a pre-physical therapy degree, which transitioned to the completion of his Doctor of Physical Therapy in 2014. He was named an academic All-American for football while attending SU. And as a student physical therapist, he traveled with the university to Haiti, Nicaragua, and Ghana to perform and teach physical therapy. He completed a year-long residency through the UVA Virginia Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapy Institute, VOMPTI, and became a board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist, OX, in 2016. He's also a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He completed a year-long postdoctoral manual physical therapy fellowship at the University of Illinois at Chicago with emphasis on chronic pain and manipulations. He is a fellow of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Therapy, VOMPTI, Kyle's American. He's American. No, there's no, there's no I. It's just Faumpt. Oh, Faumpt. Yeah, that's right. There's no yeah, I. But the, Faumpt's got the I. Faumpt is just the, I think it's more of a German pronunciation. Oh, okay. So you got to have like the oomph in it. Faumpt. That's it. There's probably a umlaut or six umlauts in there somewhere. There has to be. <laughs> Kyle is also a member of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapy and the American Physical Therapy Association, APTA. He is a Global Affairs Chair of the Physical Therapy Day of Service, PT DOS campaign. And Kyle and his wife, Olivia, now live in Winchester, Virginia with their dog, Huxley. Kyle, thanks and welcome on the show. <laughs> thanks for that amazing introduction. I, uh, I didn't know those letters mean so much to you guys. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to get an ox too, but I don't know where to buy one. I've looked at a couple farms in the area and, you know... They've well, got I'm, cows, but I, I can't find any oxen. I'm headed to Best Buy this this, uh, this afternoon, so I'll see if I can I can find you a couple of those for you. <laughs> nice, that's perfect. It's it's funny. I feel like I have deja vu. You coming on the on the show again? <laughs> yeah, this is not our first rodeo, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it's a very fickle uh, road that's been plagued with trials and tribulations to, to get here where we are today. Yeah, if I feel like I'm repeating myself, it's probably because I am, because we've done this about 45 minutes before and didn't work out. So this one works. That's okay. The best part of today's episode is the fact that you are using someone's computer that's not yours. Well, you know, I was in a pinch. My computer decided to uh, tank today. My battery lost it right before I came to do this, about five minutes before. And so I decided to uh, bully uh, first year physical therapy student Shenandoah, and uh, he he willingly let me borrow his computer. So let's thank Phil from the uh, first year class. Shout out, shout out to Phil. Let's let's get his Instagram and we'll post it in the in the show notes. Right, I'll um, try to get that for you. The real hero. He's getting an A on his test, though. I know that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So what are we talking about today, Jake? Um, I would say that I haven't read the Google Doc, but since we've sort of done this before, I kind of have. <laughs> so we're going to talk to Kyle about um, get to know a little bit more about him, his background, things that you know are interest or he is interested in because he's kind of got like the, these multi avenues that he goes down. Uh, pretty busy guy. He's he's got his fingers in a lot of different pies. 
Um, I'm not sure which one is his favorite. I personally like cherry and, and banana cream, but it seems maybe like more apple guy. I'm not sure. Um, uh, then we're also going to start talking about, you know, the real thing here this is the, the fellowship program and how Kyle kind of found the, the fellows program that he was interested in, um, the search process, the research that he did, his experiences going through an OCS residency, um, possibly some of the, the mentors that he's had and the influences that they have had on him. Um, and then just kind of tips and tricks for applying. So the application process, researching different places, and then uh, what the fellowship kind of kind of does for you as far as networking and and opening doors. Yeah. So thanks, Jake. Yeah, I definitely uh, I do love pies, um, <laughs> but I tend to use a fork, and not my fingers. That's just me, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you get you get more. What pie. about what about like a? You get more pie per bite with a fork <laughs> than with your finger. It's quantity, not quality, right? <laughs> you know, we actually it's it's funny that we start talking about pies because. Um, the other day in clinic, I made a cobbler hmm. for like our Super Bowl party, and that went. <clears throat> we had just this massive discussion about like paste, baked pastries or baked pie type things in general, and what consists of like a cobbler versus a crumble, um, and then like how how is a pie a pie? You know, do you need a bottom crust? Do you need a, a top crust? Because some chicken pot pies do not have a bottom crust. Um, huh. So, I mean, that's, we won't, I'll spare our listeners today, um, but, you know, just some thought provoking things like what, you know, what truly, what is the operational definition of, of pie and, and things like that? That's deep. It's deep it's the stuff that keeps you These are the things I think about. <laughs> this is the stuff that prevents me from sleeping at night and also what I'm thinking about in clinic, um, probably while I'm with patients. So if I like if I like black out for a second, it's not because I'm thinking about the exercises that I'm doing with you, but more like, you know, why is it called cobbler? <laughs> Doesn't that have to do with shoes? I think so. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Anyways, Kyle, can you can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, kind of what got you into PT and, and how you have done and accomplished all the things that you've accomplished so far in your life? Yeah, I mean, I feel like. Uh, to answer that last part, I think I got a long way to go. I'm um, just trying to, like you said, go down different avenues and open all the doors and then close them as I feel that they're kind of not my passion and just keep going down the ones that I love. But uh, what got me into PT, I decided in high school I wanted to do a year-long, I guess like a mentorship program, and I did it with a chiropractor. And I really loved the experience, but he, he had said he was a certified physical therapist as well. So he was doing chiropractic and he said PT. And so I, I thought the chiropractic side was pretty cool, but when I saw what he was doing, when he said he was doing the physical therapy hat of, of doing the hands-on therapy, but also the exercise part, I said, that's kind of my interest. And then I started doing my own little research and, uh, for, for colleges and universities, I started looking at three plus three programs and that's what led me down the uh, PT path. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. Interesting. So what, why, why the three plus three program? Uh, well, school's not cheap, and I knew, <laughs> I knew if I wanted to do it, I had to uh, knock a year off somehow, and I also knew that I wanted to play sports. I loved sports in high school. I played three, and I wanted to do something going farther, and I knew D1 was not going to be my avenue. Um, so, so I looked at schools, and a lot of the ones that had three plus threes were either smaller schools or Division three schools, and so that's uh, 
that's what kind of led me down. Oh, I can do both. And so that was, that was the main goal. I got you. And so we know you ended up at Shenandoah University, uh, one, because we know you kind of well, and also it was in your bio, <laughs> but, but uh, <laughs> just, just out of curiosity, like, uh, and we're a little bit biased with, with, with Shenandoah as well, but what made you decide that you wanted to ultimately go to SU? Like what was, what was the big draw for you? So it's actually really funny. The first time I came to campus, uh, it was, I think, my junior year, and I came to visit and talk to the football coach. And it was they were doing some construction. It was rainy. And I told my dad, I said, I don't want to go here. I said, let's let's leave and go down to JMU. So I didn't even get out of the car the first time I visited Shenandoah. <laughs> it took me five visits to finally decide that I wanted to be here, and it was the best decision. But um, I, I looked at other few. There's a, a 3 plus 3 program in Pennsylvania, Widener mm-hmm. University. And so I looked, I looked there. Uh, I think Drexel had a 3 plus 3 program. And I, if I believe Lebanon Valley also did at the time, I can't remember if that's still the case, but I think that was the other one I was looking at where I could play a sport and and uh, do the three plus three program. Okay. Hmm. I got you. So you could have you could have been a dragon or some other like powerful beast, but instead you decided to become a hornet, a humble, I, deadly hornet. You know, I just wanted I wanted to sting, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that's perfect. Oh. <laughs> was that your foray into manual therapy, stinging people? Yes, that was it. How much can you hurt them now? Because, I mean, well, it depends on the, the sharpness of the stinger. It's most of them pierce yeah. the skin, but no. some of them might not. Yeah. This is true. So, uh, you know, you've had some decent amount of experiences at SU. Uh, can, you, can you speak to the program yeah. for anybody that might be interested in applying there or like what kind of things and opportunities that are offered there for them? Yeah, so uh, I guess three plus three wise, I think I think it's a great opportunity for a lot of people. It's tough because you come out 17, 18 years old, and you're trying to say, "Hey, this is what I want to do for my mm-hmm. career." So I don't know if it's necessarily the best thing unless you were, you know, you really have done your research or you spent a year in the clinics and really gotten that feel of it yet. So I wouldn't say it's for everyone, but um, as far as doing those programs, it was for me. It was great because I got to to streamline into the passion I had, and so that was fantastic. As far as SU as a PT program, I think it's got so many uh, good perks to it with the international abilities, the uh, smaller class sizes, and now it's got two campuses. Uh, most of the professors are very, uh, I guess, personable and have that uh, just kind of connection, that family feel. And that's something I was really looking for, for uh, kind of determining my future and the way I wanted to be a professional. I wanted to have uh, instructors that had that same personal kind of family mm-hmm. approach to things. Yeah, and I think that's something that, that Jake and I kind of felt the same way when we went there. Uh, we echo that a lot on the show when we're talking to, to people that have been to SU as well. But, you know, it's you're kind of like more than just a number. Uh, you got people that are actually really mm-hmm. invested in, and care about your future and, and helping you grow and to be, you know, whatever avenue you take, but ultimately just like helping you develop into becoming, the you know, the best person, best version of yourself possible. So that's cool. And you get you kind of get that from the initial interview too, um, <clears throat> at least at least I know Mike and I did, of just that feeling of like you're part of a family, you know. Even though you're not quite in the program yet, you're still kind of go, jumping through a couple more hoops. But there's that kind of like welcoming feeling from, you know, all the faculty and then even even people like Linda Burrow. Uh, oh yeah, she's awesome. She gives the best hugs, <laughs> <laughs> and she always has. <laughs> I don't even, I don't know. It's like, the, I don't know if they're the freshest, but they must be the freshest. They're like the best York peppermint patties in the world that she has on her desk available to you whenever you need. 
She makes them. She actually makes them herself. Does she? Um, <laughs> yeah. No. She everything from the the actual like handcrafting of the chocolate and the the peppermint um, filling to actually to the wrapper. wrapper. Yeah. She she knits the wrapper by hand. <laughs> um, and York York actually had a different logo, but she said no. This this looks better on your individual York peppermint patties. And so they've actually changed their logo since because of her uh, suggestion. <laughs> Shout out to Linda Barrow. <laughs> she's, a, she's a very humble lady. She would never say that that was true, but it is. You can trust me. Oh, that's great. And Kyle, too, like uh, from your bio and like the experiences that you had, you, you also mentioned that you uh, you had some opportunities to travel abroad. Can you speak to some of those experiences? Yeah, for, uh, for me, it started in undergrad. I did uh, a service trip doing more building with schools. It's called Students Helping Honduras. And I started that on campus. And uh, from there, I went on what's called the Global Citizenship Project. It's, I think, the only school in the country that does this type of project. Uh, a couple years ago, actually many years ago now, they had a grant uh, from this family, gave a lot of money and said, you can only use it if it's something creative and original and something that we all, as a family, believe is where this money should go. And so they had this committee come up with this global citizenship project where they send about 40 to 50 people from the university every year to five countries across the world. Uh, you don't pick where you go. You just say, hey, I'm going to explore the world and, and see something different. And so I was fortunate enough to go on that trip mm. to Ethiopia. And, and so that was a great opportunity with, uh, and this was my undergrad experience with some second year PT students were also on the trip that year. So it was a way to kind of connect. And uh, I knew that that international travel and experiencing other cultures and beliefs was something I was uh, going to be passionate about. And so fortunately, myself and uh, another first year, and then at the time, a second year, uh, when we got into PT school, decided mm -hmm. to travel to Haiti and uh, <laughs> wouldn't call it the most sustainable or uh, smartest trip that we've ever done. Um, but it was the way it got, we got our feet wet into uh, more the medical side of, of mission work and, and trying to improve the idea of therapy and rehabilitation across the world. And so from there, we started this thing called PT Thrive, mm -hmm. SUPT Thrive. And um, it's every year we have students going and going on these trips. And those were the ones you talked about uh, with Haiti. Um, and I think we had Kenya when I was there and Guatemala and just doing that to try to help build that, that concept of students getting involved early and just understanding there's more than just the four walls of a clinic and there's more than just uh, okay. the country that we live and in. So, so, Dude, that's so cool. Yeah. That's awesome, man. It's amazing opportunities that you, that you had. And would you say like that first opportunity that you kind of had uh, as you were like traveling initially and then with, with GCP as well, kind of like opened your eyes and like perspective on, on how to become a global citizen and like kind of instilled that passion in you? Absolutely. Uh, it, was, it was really cool. This past year, I was the alumni distinguished lecturer at Shenandoah, and I got to talk to some first-year uh, undergrad freshman students about kind of that idea, and what I was telling them is, you know, I came to, to Shenandoah, and I'd been, I'd traveled a little bit, and I knew where I was from, but, you know, being a 6'2", uh, white male and my diversity wasn't quite as strong so to then go to some of these countries and see just how much else there was in this world and um, how other people lived and did things it just made me appreciate it more than seeing it from my own lens in my own community but seeing it from their lens in their community and uh, it's just made me realize what else there is and, and how how much more there is to life than just uh, your nine to five and seeing what's on Netflix that night. 
<laughs> what what is on Netflix tonight, Kyle? You know what? Hey, I just finished Stranger Things. Oh, did you? We couldn't spoil it last time you were on. We couldn't spoil it for you. You're right. You're right. I did it just for you guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how how great was it? You know, the last one was a little too romantic for me. There was a little too much kissing in that last episode. I'm not mm. not all about that. <laughs> but but it was good. I'm, I'm excited for the next season. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be good. Yeah, they set it up to to be a little bit interesting, for sure. Every, I, I just really want to eat Eggo waffles every time I watch that show. I'm not really <laughs> sure why. Product placement, perhaps? Now, so you, you got, you're a big uh, movie TV show guy, right, Jake? Uh, yes. So you know how they make all kinds of really crazy food, like in that one when they had the Eggo with the uh, whipped cream and all the stuff mm-hmm. in it? I can't remember what he called it. Um, there's this guy on YouTube who, who recreates all those dishes from all these TV oh, shows. with Babish. And he did that Binging one. with Babish. Binging yeah, with Babish. Dude, love that guy. He's my man. Love him. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's, he's so great. He, uh, <clears throat> one of my favorite things was he did the Every Meat Taco. I forget what mm-hmm. show it was from, but he put like 73 different meats or something like that in it. He said it was the most vile thing that he's ever put in his mouth. <laughs> he spit it out. It was disgusting. I mean, it had like kangaroo, alligator, like shrimp, lobster, crab, like bison, elk, just like, oh. I think, I think, I think, bull, I think bull testicles yep, were in there yep. too. Oh my gosh. Dude, it was. Yeah, he did it all. He went to like three or four different store, like bodegas in New York, and found like specialty meats and stuff that they'd imported from all over the world. It was pretty crazy. But yeah, he, he's got an awesome YouTube channel, and I love the. Uh, either of you guys ever watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah. I've seen like one or two episodes. <laughs> he recreates a lot of the like very, very stupid uh, concoctions like milk steak and fight milk um, from that show. It's, it's pretty great. <laughs> um, uh, I was going to say, Kyle, though, um, Mike and I can kind of reflect a lot of those sentiments that you have about international travel because we were both. Well, Mike actually did a clinical experience. He did one of the, the gel trips, the global experiential learning ones. Um, which he can probably speak a lot more about than I can because he's the one that actually went on the trip. Uh, and then I, I did the GCP thing to Cambodia. That was the first time that I'd ever traveled out of the country. And dude, it was, awesome. it was just mind-blowing, like how different other parts of the world are, yet at the same time, like how similar just other people are because we're, we're all humans, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. When, it, when are you leaving again? When are you leaving the country next? Uh... <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, still, no. still trying to do this whole new grad PT thing and figure my life out. And uh, but some vacation days, hopefully I'll be able to do something. Um, there you go. Yeah, soon. I don't know when, but sometime soon. Yeah, hopefully. No. It, it definitely. I think it's cool. I think that opportunity for people who have not traveled and get to see that is is something that makes Shenandoah so unique and so uh, it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like your, your passion for, for, for global, you know, affairs and all this kind of stuff has really like continued to grow. Right. And so, you know, from your bio, we learned that you're, you're a global affairs chair, uh, for the physical therapy, like day of service. Can you, can you speak a little bit about that and what that is? Absolutely. Uh, when I was, uh, you know, social media is a great way to, to learn about the people who are like you or think like you. And I was fortunate enough to see, uh, this, this therapist, his name was Ifosa and he, worked for ATI for a while and he stopped and quit and traveled the world and was doing a lot to understand, you know, PT around the world and just cultures around the world. And after following him, I I reached out to him and and told him my passion, my desires. And we kept 
communicating on online and uh, we ended up, I learned about the PT day of service and instead of how I want to get connected. And over time now, and this past year, I was able to lead the global affairs chair, um, which is pretty much, you know, in the country, we do a lot for PT day of service and we get a lot of students involved and clinicians involved. Um, but uh, around the world, we still have to try, we're trying to grow it that way too. And so that was, that was my focus on PT day of service. Okay. So you kind of, you're using like social media and like a few other platforms too, to kind of help like bring about this, this whole mission of like PT day of service and and into the global uh, scheme of things, right. As well. Yeah. Did you guys, have you guys had anyone on for PT day of Mm -hmm. service yet? No, No, I I, I didn't even know what PT DOS really was. I've heard about it. But I thought it was similar to MS-DOS, like a previous operating system for a Windows computer. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the upgrade. Okay. So I can use my, my, my computer's dead right now or else I'd send it to you. <laughs> do, I need, do I need to download my new operating system for Apple to run PT-DOS? Well, that's. I think I was trying to download it, and that's why my computer tanks. So. Yeah, you gotta. It's 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 a little. You gotta wait till SU tells you you can download the stuff because sometimes it messes with programs on the computers. Um, that's what it was. Speaking of which, I think I think technically I'm supposed to go turn in my laptop so they can take all the proprietary SU stuff off um, and give it back to me. And I have I just haven't done that yet. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Should I do that? Am I supposed to? I'm, I know I'm supposed to do that, but. Yeah, but it wouldn't be the worst they'll, idea. They'll probably just send a collector after you. Um, yeah, <laughs> just like whatever. Or something. I'm sure I'll find like an afternoon someday to actually go over back to the campus. Oh, it'll it'll all work out in the end, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, let me just tell you a little about PD Day of Service. So, PD Day of Service was this was the third year, I believe. Now I have to look back. I just saw the top of my head, but uh, it's it's a day in October, and the whole mission and vision behind this is to try to kind of spread that global awareness, and not just. Um, in the PT world, but as PTs, you know, when you apply to school, one of the questions they ask you in the interviews, the ones we were talking about, is why PT? What is it? And um, what, what, what do you guys think the first common answer is for a, a, someone trying to come into PT school? Why they chose PT? Because they got hurt and went to a PT when I was playing sports in high school. <laughs> That's number two. Yeah. Oh, because I'm number one. Uh, <laughs> I like helping people. There you go. Um, and that's the thing is I think we all know that that's why we got into this and that's why we chose this profession. And as we get into the profession and as we get through school and our, our life gets going, we sometimes lose that focus and, and why we do what we do. And I think this day is a way to show that our passion is not just for the patients we have, but for the community we live in and just understanding how we can help in a greater good than just as a PT. Um, and so that's kind of where this has gone. It's, it's blown up. This past year, we had a ton of people. We had over 50, people from over 50 countries involved in PT Day of Service outside of the wow. U.S. So it's just uh, it's it's a great day in October. Our goal is to do it in one day, but obviously everyone can't do something that same day. So within a, about a week, week and a half window, we have all these people involved, and then they spread their what they did and their mission and their vision all over social media to help spread that awareness and try to get it, uh, get ourselves as PTs on the map for, for global citizens. That's so cool. So you, do you know, do you know what date is? It's not uh, October 3rd, is it? It is not. Is that an important day for you? I mean, that's the day in, in, uh, Mean Girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's I was just, I mean, I just, first movie I watched. <laughs> well, you know, I, 
I don't know that I've ever truly watched that movie, but I just know it is a cultural <laughs> reference. Anyways, God bless Lindsay Lohan. Um, <laughs> you guys should change the data. You should just change it to October 3rd, though, because I think for your social media game, you could probably up the memes. And I think the Mean Girls memes would reach a lot of um, especially young young tweens. <laughs> So, I'll, I'll talk to you folks and Josh and see if that's something they they're interested in. <laughs> well, but so it's it's a whole like like a week long thing, right? And how so? How would you recommend? Like I've seen some of the campaigns in, in school, and I know we've done kind of like some of our students have got together to do some sort of service project. Is there a general theme mm-hmm. to what you try to do? Is there like a um, like a national event via Facebook where everyone tries to do the same thing or help the same organization? Or is it just the message of just go out into the community and, and do something? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> um, I think you, you ask great questions. I think they're all, they're all great answers. Um, every year there is a, a theme or kind of a goal and a focus of what we want, and transcendence was this past year. So, and they use that to kind of motivate us as the leaders to then spread that to each person. But I think everything, like we know, of, besides the black and white stuff, which PT really isn't, um, there's a lot of gray, so it's kind of how you interpret it. So if you really, you know, on your heart, it's it's to do PT and maybe give pro bono work, then that's what you do. Uh, if it's to go to a, you know, you're working geriatrics and it's to go to a, a daycare and play with kids or screen athletes because you love athletes, but you're in school and you can't treat athletes. Um, it's kind of really whatever uh, direction you want to go with it and what you feel is the best way to help yourself mm-hmm. or your community. So, so it's all, I think all are the answer. I, I love how you answered my series of questions with the most stereotypical PT school professor answer <laughs> of, of like, it, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm doing a little bit of a uh, lab assisting at the university. So I'm trying to, uh-huh. trying to practice that. <laughs> hey man, you, you know that that uh, answer, and you're pretty much good for probably like 95% of the questions that you get from students. Well, you know, there you go. it depends. <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> That's good. It is, it is crazy though because I feel like even just as a new grad coming out, you expect to see a lot of stuff that's like by the book and how you learned it. And then you're just like, oh, this, yeah, that whole it depends thing really, that's that's true. Nothing ever looks like it is in uh, um, your your class classes or textbooks or anything like that because the human body is just different and there's so much variance between people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ain't that the truth? So let's uh, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this conversation, uh, fellowships. So Kyle, what are they? Why do them? And what are your thoughts about fellowships? Uh, so for me, it was the best decision I made in my career. Uh, luckily, I made it early on. So um, I hopefully can learn from it and keep learning from it. Uh, so, so what a fellowship is, if you think about the medical model, uh, you go to medical school, and then you potentially go into a residency and then into a fellowship. So it's kind of like a specialty and then a mm-hmm. subspecialty. In the PT world, it's a little bit different. The uh, regular models, you graduate from PT school as a general practitioner, enough to not hurt anybody. And then over time, you kind of take continuing education <laughs> courses and, and hope to become a better clinician to where you're helping people, right? And so the, the APTA has decided to try to help improve that by having these residency trainings where you're getting this uh, mentorship and guidance in a specific field, whether it be geriatrics, uh, um, neuro, 
women's health, orthopedics, sports, uh, all, all different areas where you can almost specialize and just try to learn a little bit more about that area to become more proficient. Um, the fellowship it originally was not developed with the APTA. It was actually very much separate, and it was a way to uh, become a, a better manual therapist. So in some other countries across the world, manual therapists were almost different than physical therapists because they did that hands-on therapy. And so that kind of came to America. And because it wasn't as accepted by the APTA, they decided to do it their own way. And so they created this academy, the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Therapy. Um, some guys and this amazing uh, lady, they, they came together and formed this organization. And they just kind of created this, this almost like, a, I'd say a cult in that it was people who really were passionate about, about one thing, but they all did it differently. And I think you see that in the orthopedic world, some schools where they teach uh, one, one guru's direction, another guru's direction, but they all had the same passion of, of manual therapy. And uh, over years, there's been more and more getting involved. And now the APTA has really accepted this fellowship training as a, as a kind of continuation uh, on that model of the higher level learning. Oh, that's sweet. Hmm. So, so that answers that yeah, a little bit. Kyle, kind of, kind of little, little side uh, with the whole discussion of like orthopedics and manual therapy. Um, <clears throat> one of the hmm. things that I've seen and, and probably even like kind of been confused on myself is the question of, especially in the world of like OCS, if you go down like the orthopedic clinical specialty, you know. Uh, rabbit hole, I guess, as a career. I don't, I don't know if rabbit hole is the correct term in, in this use of it, but if I'm, if I'm going down that path to, to pursue an OCS, um, does that mean that I have to use manual therapy or does that mean that I'm a manual therapist? And at the same time, does manual therapy, if I become a specialist in like manual therapy, does that mean that I'm an expert in orthopedics? Uh, that's a great question. I would say they're very much different because I've kind of talked about where that background's from. So orthopedic uh, OCS, if you go to do a residency, then you could go on the track to become an orthopedic clinical specialist by passing that exam. The whole thought of this residency is to prepare you for that exam. Um, but you could also be practicing for five or six years, self-study, take the OCS, and become an orthopedic clinical specialist. So I think it's more of understanding the the research behind and the, and the details of the orthopedic world in becoming OCS. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the residencies are more manual therapy focused. Some are more exercise based focused, uh, movement impairment based focused. So I think it really depends on what route you go as to why, but I wouldn't say you are a manual therapy specialist based on the, the expectations of your training in those, in those areas. Gotcha. Hmm. I've just, I've kind of seen that as like a trend where people, um, think like, oh, if I go down the, sorry, words, it's a, it's been a long weekend. Uh, if I try to go get my OCS, that that means that I'm like pigeonholed into doing, you know, a lot more manual therapy or that I have to use manual therapy when it may not be indicated to use it. Yeah, that's a great question. I think that, and that's why, you know, I love this idea of residency starting. A lot of people starting them right after school, but sometimes taking three or four years off and, and just practicing, using what you learned in PT school and then going in might be a way to help understand that thought process. Because I know like the Bompti, uh, the one in Virginia is one I'm very uh, passionate about and a lot of manual therapists, we're all with different backgrounds. But I know there's other residency programs where it's primarily exercise based on um, the other ones where they're they're very much chronic pain or, um, you know, just, just all different directions. It's just really, are you getting the content is what they 
they try to look at for those mm-hmm. to prepare you. I got you. Gotcha. That's cool. Question that kind of kind of stemmed from that along the same vein too. Um, so you just talked about like either going right out and right out of graduation and getting your OCS or like doing a residency with your OCS. Um, what about with fellowships? Would you would you recommend like somebody like who just completed their OCS to, to go and like try to pursue the, the fellowship or, or practice for a couple of years or, or does it depend in this world of gray? <laughs> yeah, you're right. It, it does. Um, but after doing it, I think I have a better understanding mm-hmm. from me personally. So it was, I was really fortunate with my cohort where we had mm-hmm. 10 people in our cohort at UIC, which is the University of Illinois at Chicago. Uh, Carol Courtney is the director of the program out there, and that's where I, I decided to go. And uh, we had a wide range. There was three of us who had just finished uh, residency training and were coming right into it, a couple that were five years out, a couple that were eight years out, a couple who had not done orthopedic or OCS or residency training and just went right into fellowship with a couple years of experience. So there was a wide range. And I think for me, it's really about you, what you need to get out of it. And that really determines what it is. So um, if you're young and you need that maturity, you need that the mentorship, I think it's great. If you are more experienced and you feel like you need that guidance in a different way, okay. then I think it's great too. So there, <laughs> there definitely isn't, sadly, one answer for that one. Kyle, uh, kind of another question kind of off that same topic thread. Um, so you're saying there were 10 people in your fellowship? Yes. Okay. I'm I'm used to seeing nine, <laughs> typically. Um, how did you guys? I mean, because I'm assuming that the, you know the ten of you banded together, and uh, were able to accomplish your your ultimate quest. Um, did you guys have different traits? Were you of different, perhaps races or ethnicities? Uh, maybe elvish or. Was there a dwarf amongst you that wielded an axe? Because um, I'm assuming that you know in that cohort you band together and use your your individual specialties and talents to to help each other get to the end goal. Um, you know, I'll be honest. When we did this the first time, I did not know where you're going with that. Now that we've done it the second time, at least I know where you're going. <laughs> um, yes, it, it, we uh, we decided to kick one person out every time so we could have nine at every meeting. No, totally good. Well, I mean, it, you know, just follow the traditional Lord of the Rings uh, plot line. Boromir dies because he's played by Sean Bean. So, you know, just, as just, it's I tradition, guess. somebody should just not just, you know. Well, fortunately, all ten of us made it through, and uh, we're still close today. We we went to AMP this past year and had a we rented a place in Airbnb together, and uh, yeah, it was a great year. And um, you do it's a journey. You learn a lot, but uh, luckily, we didn't lose anybody, so that was awesome. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, I, I just want just disclaimer: I was not for our listeners. I was not advocating the killing of any individual <laughs> member of Kyle's fellowship class. I was just trying to make a literary and or movie reference um to the <laughs> world that tolkien created so um that's awesome <laughs> but so back, so back to the actual like realistic fellowship that you were a part of what was your what was your process for deciding on uic so uh for, for undergrad i did the same i went to a bunch of schools and did a bunch of interviews for pt school i knew where i was going um, but for residency i knew where i was going and fellowship i wanted to really do some research so i went to the aomp conference the prior year and met with people at kaiser which is uh, where my mentor 
from Bompti went to out in California. I met with a bunch of them, met with people at UIC and tried to just learn about the different fellowships. And when I was at that conference, I met a people from UIC and they really had that, that family feel and that same kind of thing that Shenandoah has where they're really welcoming and wanted to answer questions and, and learn about me as a person and told me what it, it meant to be uh, a fellow at UIC. And I said, that's, that's for me. And that's what uh, drove me out there because other than the time I visited to at least see where I would be moving, I had never been to Chicago. So I pretty much moved there and just did it. Nice. And so that was, that was it for me was, was to learn about uh, people who had that same family gotcha. uh, kind of homey what feel did, to it. What's the best pizza place in Chicago? Oof. So I'm a, I'm a Lou Malinati's fan. That's my, uh, that's my favorite. I've, I've always wanted to eat there. I know they ship pizzas. Um, they, they do. That was my uh, gift for Valentine's Day last year for my wife. Uh, we were engaged at the time, and so I sent her two regular and then two heart-shaped uh, deep dishes. And uh-huh. She said they were as good as when she was in town. So really, maybe. Yeah. Hold on. I'm gonna. How, I'm gonna see if I, I'm, I might order one right now while we're talking. It, it's it's Taste of Chicago. Just Google Taste, Taste of Chicago, and then you'll look for Lou's Pizza. Chicago. Talk amongst yourselves while I order pizza. Hey, when you order it, though, you got to give me a slice when you make it. Let me know when you're coming over. I'm coming over. <laughs> Only if we can uh, drink homebrew. Yes, actually, I just uh, I just transferred over, um, like, what, what he's talking about there. I, I brew I brew beer. <laughs> I started that in PT school to try to keep my sanity. And um, every year I brew about four, four batches, four or five batches. And uh, most recently with a buddy of mine, I just finished my oatmeal raisin stout. Ooh. So I made oatmeal stout. And then I added some raisins in the fermenter with a little bit of cinnamon. And we'll see in about a week, put it in my kegerator and try it out. Oh, man, that sounds so good. <laughs> but I'll keep, I'll keep some in a bottle if we're going to be uh, having some deep dish with it. Yes. Awesome. Ooh, also, kind of random side question. This one doesn't really apply to anything. But um, do you know where I can get some empty, like, beer kegs for cheap? Wait, you need one too? Well, so me and my buddy are started strongman training. And uh, we've got like a 220 or 230 keg and then one that's probably about 270, 260, 270. But we want to make a couple of different weights. And I was wondering if you knew if I could get any used empty 15.5 gallon kegs. I'm a little bummed because I really need one because I'm trying to make a smoker out of it. I found something online. And I need one too. So when you get one and you're done throwing them around, if I can get it to because <laughs> I've to make my smoker with, I've seen some on eBay, but they're like eighty bucks. And like, where'd you find your two? I didn't, one of the other dudes at our gym just had them. He, I, I don't know where he's going. You gotta get talk them. to him. I need to find some. He might. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll let you know if I find any info. Good. Good. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> That's perfect. So in regards to your uh, fellowship, Kyle, what, what, what would you say you learned most about yourself when you were going through that whole program? So I would love to say it was strictly the fellowship that made me learn a lot, but I think the idea of uh, moving without my fiance and my dog, so moving by myself into a new city um, and, and just doing that was, was a feat in itself. And then uh, the fellowship itself was a challenge. It was, it's, I think like, like PT school and a lot of things, you know, it's how much you put into it. And for me, I'm, I try to get the most out of everything I can. So I put a lot of time and effort and I think drove myself more crazy than I needed to. But, uh, <laughs> I, I definitely learned a lot about myself and how I wanted to communicate with people and how I wanted to uh, be not just a, a, 
clinician, a hands-on clinician, but a, a listener and a, a motivator and someone who can be someone you trust to help you through your healing experience. So I think for me, I learned a lot about that communication and understanding people as much as I did the manual side of things. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah. That must've been like difficult to, to be away from your wife and just like, like you said, go into, you know, different, completely different part of the country, uh, on your own, you know, that in itself is difficult. And then you're thrown into a pressure cooker of everything else that's going on and, and just trying to find yourself through that. So that's pretty, yeah. Absolutely. And if you know, if, you, if anyone here who's listening is familiar with Winchester, Virginia, it's, uh, I wouldn't call it the most diverse place in, in the country. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you go from that, which I've been at for about seven years, and move to the west side of Chicago in the city, and you're treating at a hospital that is about 30% Medicaid and Medicare population. Um, it, it was a whole different uh, patient dynamics and patient backgrounds and understanding how this type of, of person interacts and, and, and what their needs are and their desires and, and what other circumstances they have in their life, it, it definitely helped me to kind of like the traveling internationally, understand a lot more. And I think it helped me be able to empathize a lot better with a whole different group of, of people that I don't normally interact mm -hmm. with for 40 hours a week like I was yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, could you could you take us through like a, a day in your life um, as a a fellow or a fellow in training, an aspiring fellow, if you will? <laughs> <laughs> yep, a uh, a fit, if Ooh, you want to call it that. Oh, um, do, you, do you so, do you have a Fitbit yeah. that you wear as a fit? I, you know, I do, and they, these things are falling apart. I don't know if you guys have ever had one of these, but they they're not as good a quality. Which one do you Which one do you have? I guess I got this Charge HR. It's my uh -huh. second one. I've just dude. I got the Blaze. It. I love the Blaze. Oh, that's probably it. I went with the cheap one. It's my fault. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so for the day in life, so I chose. I wanted to do a fellowship that was not online based. It was full mm -hmm. immersion. So we were in the clinic, treating ourselves about twenty eight hours, and then we had our four hours of mentorship every week. Uh, we also helped a lab assist in the musculoskeletal portion of the DPT program of the UIC DVT program about eight hours a week. And then we had our own courses about eight hours a week, plus your assignments and your reflections um, from there. So, so a typical day would be, you know, potentially teach in the morning for a little while at the DPT program, go to the clinic, uh, practice, and then maybe go to a class that night for your own course. So we, we had the whole end of, of teaching to practicing to mentorship to learning. Oh, wow. So you, you were kept pretty busy then. <laughs> I was, I was, I was. And then um, I try to take a step farther and get involved with more stuff than I should have, like I do now. You just turn it up to 11, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's, that's sweet, though. So I, what I like about that, that model that you just described, too, is so you're learning. Like, you have that educational piece as you're, like, growing as a clinician. But you also get the, the opportunities to, to teach as well. So you can kind of, like, practice your craft and also just, like, work with interacting with students um, in that regard, too. Um, what was your experience like when you were working with some of the, the DPT students and like how you're interacting with them? So luckily with the residency here in Chicago or in, in Virginia, I got to help at Shenandoah a little bit lab assisting as well. So I kind of had a little bit of experience, but having been a Shenandoah student and being in the community, I knew some of the, of the students. So I kind of mm -hmm. felt comfortable. But again, when you go to another part of the country, you don't know anyone, you have to 
connect with these students on a, a personal level, but also as a, as a professor. And, and so it was kind of a challenge, but by the end I realized kind of how to become a better teacher and how that interpersonal skills are going to really help you connect with your students to learn, have them learn even better than just lecturing gotcha. to them. So it's yeah. great for me. It's uh, you just you just made me think like, uh, what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you, right? And so because because you threw yourself into a completely different environment and something that you were uncomfortable with, uh, it helped you kind of grow uh, to you know ultimately where you are now and and continuing to grow. So that's cool. So is is professorship like the end goal, Kyle? You know, I don't like you talked about the pies and, and all the different directions. I have about 18 doors <laughs> open, and, then, and I don't know which one's going to be the end door. Uh, I think, honestly, if my day could be practice a little bit in outpatient, maybe do a little home health or, or helping out there, uh, teaching a little bit, maybe some type of business or entrepreneurial type thing, uh, doing a little volunteerism. If I could do that every day, I'd be, I think, happy mm -hmm. if I could get it all. But eventually, I think I'll pick a direction. I don't think full-time academia will be it, but I Just guess we'll see. Just start 12 businesses. <laughs> yeah, there the you easiest go. way, right? You want to you wanna go in on something? You let me know. We got hey, ideas, dude, we'll do it. You know, after we hit uh, stop recording, we may have a little conversation on the side here. <laughs> there we go. I like it. Strictly about, strictly about pizza and brewing, though. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the priority. I, you know, I approached one of our local brewmasters, Jeff Landy, about potentially making cakes mm -hmm. to sell at his uh, his public house, um, but he oh, wow. he wasn't he didn't want me to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, I understand. Yeah, you know, but hey, Let's we can you know going. we can maybe go have these on something or sixty forty or. <laughs> um. Oh my gosh. Um, I like it. I like it. It's all open. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we could also go into because I know we talked about this last time. I know you're waiting for me to bring it back up. Um, <laughs> mukbang, the, <laughs> the Korean uh, eating, like social eating thing. Um, I don't know how we got down that rabbit hole last time, but I just remember it because you mentioned it before this one. And now that I'm thinking about pizzas and actually looking at ordering a six-pack of Lou Malnati's uh, deep-dish pizzas, I, I don't know where I'm going to put them in the freezer because we have a very small freezer here. Um, but, yeah, one of my goals potentially might be to uh, to get into the whole social eating thing. You know, I mean, Kyle, we, you get that brew thing going. We get some Lou Malnati's pizzas. And we could just stream that on uh, on Twitch, and we could make money like that. Just eat and hang out with people. Yeah. We might have to bring it overseas now. That's a, that could be that could be our yeah. new venture. We'll have to see. Dude, even I don't mind. I have to look so into what matter. streaming service they use in Korea, but yeah, dude, it's huge over there. They you can make tons of money on it. You just <laughs> gotta have a good personality, be able to connect with people, much like you know in the PT world. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to brush up on my Korean dialects. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Mike, I don't know where we are anymore. I'm lost. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, so, Kyle, for anybody that's interested in uh, like applying for fellowships, you know, like what what are some of the expectations uh, mm -hmm. for somebody who's going to be going through a fellowship? And can you can you kind of speak a little bit to that? I think the first thing is a lifelong learner. I think you're, you, if you're going there to try to tell the fellowship what you'd like to do, 
you're missing the boat as to why you're there. Uh, the whole point of it is to learn from them and take what you can. Uh, you don't have to take everything, but you take what's going to help make you a better clinician. You're not trying to be them. You're trying to be you with better skills. So uh, you should go there trying to learn clinical reasoning, really understanding the depths and the, the, the nook and cranny of what clinical reasoning is and how you can use that to improve your quality of patient care. I think, I think manual therapy is a, a tool, but it's not the answer because not every patient wants manual therapy. Not every patient needs manual therapy. Um, but I think it's a, a, way, a, a big skill that you can then use in your care. So I think if you go into a fellowship saying, I just want to become the best manual therapist, I, I don't think that's really why you should go into fellowship or I don't think that's what you're going to get out of fellowship. Because you can go to a ton of continuing education courses and get even more manual therapy skills than you might get in a fellowship. But the idea is is a critical thinker, thinking differently and at a different depth than, I'd say, the average therapist who comes out of, okay. out of school. I like that. And so I'm just kind of interested, too, because um, it seems like you were able to kind of like reflect on a lot of your experiences as you were going through this whole process. So, so what advice would you give your past self, given all the experiences that you have now, like what, what would you say to your past self, uh, who's just recently a new grad and, and just trying to like find themselves in the, in the world? That's a heavy question. I think I hit myself a bunch of times. Uh, I think there's one thing I've done actually decently well, because most things I would critique and say, <laughs> don't do it again. But, uh, I think one of them is the idea of, of, of leaving the doors open and saying yes to opportunities. Yes, it gets tiring and stuff, but it's led me down so many of these paths that I never thought would let me get to at this early in my career. So um, I think saying yes in the beginning, you know, while you're young and you can do it, it's it's great to do it to, to hopefully open doors or opportunities you never thought you'd get to. Um, that's the one positive. The rest of them, I think my lack of patience. So me wanting to be halfway through my career before I'd even finished school doesn't help. And I think when you don't have patience and you don't listen to someone and, and hear what they're saying, or you don't go through the process of learning and growing, you end up going two steps back. So having patience and, and actually reflecting on what you're doing and, and taking your time is important and a huge thing that I wish I'd done over time. Don't regret it, but mm-hmm. it's something I mm-hmm. could have done better. That's solid advice, man. So kind of along the same kind of lines, you know, so anybody that's interested in kind of like pursuing a fellowship, what kind of advice would you, would you offer that offer to them to kind of help them stand out and be successful? In other words, like what makes a jolly good fellow? <laughs> oh, I see what you did there, Mike. That's, I like that's a that. Great question. Um, yeah, I like that. That was good. Uh, I, it's crazy. Cause I think a, a good fellow and what I'm seeing is is not the one who has the best hands, not the one who gets every patient better, but the one who is willing to learn and reflect constantly. Because if you're constantly learning and reflecting, you're constantly changing and growing. And if you can go into something with that thought, you're going to get so much farther. Um, Carol Courtney, the director of UIC, she told me like halfway through, because I was asking, you know, where was I? How am I doing? And, and she's like, it's not about that. It's not about the numbers, it's not about how good you are, or how well people view you, or how much patients love you. It's what are you learning now? How are you going to learn from it a year from now? And then how are you going to learn from it 15 and 20 and 30 years from now? And that didn't quite hit me until I left, but it's something that I'm trying to use. And I think that's what makes a good fellow, someone who's going to do that, continually learn, and then 
pass on their knowledge and skills mm. to the next next generation. That's solid, man. That uh, it makes me think of. Uh, we were actually just just talking to uh, Zach Gabor, the Simple Strength uh, therapist. Simple Strength Physio is what it is. And yeah. so, um, <laughs> yeah, I was mixing like Sam and Zach together, their Instagram handles. But anyway, we were talking about him, <laughs> talking to him yesterday, and uh, and uh, he was he was talking about having the growth mindset. You know, uh, being able to like constantly challenge yourself and like be be comfortable with being uncomfortable and and finding ways to continue to grow. So I think that's it's really awesome that uh, you know you're kind of echoing those sentiments. You know, like you you look for success in ways uh, by like challenging yourself and continuing to try to grow and get better. And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's, I, I guess I'm a little harsher on myself. I think that's a great word. I always say uh, mm-hmm. failure is the only way to succeed. And if you can fail a bunch of times, which is kind of negative, but I don't know if you don't think, don't think of a negative, it's pretty nice, but yeah, growth, the growth is, Love growth it. is key. So Kyle, what would you say is like the biggest, um, like if you had to pick one thing, what would be the biggest thing that, that you've seen growth in as a clinician? I would say, kind of like we talked about, the listening, truly listening. I think I thought I listened. I think I thought I heard. But when you look through the lines and you just listen to what the patient is, a lot of times they tell you what they need and what they want and what can help them. I think when you put your bias in, I know there's some great therapists out there who who are against manual therapy and they're only going to treat exercise because they believe exercise is the way to do it. And then there's therapists who believe manual therapy is the only way to do it. And when you have your own bias there, you're only going to get so many patients to where they they believe they can get to because of what you can offer them. So I think the more you can offer them in what they need, the better you can facilitate them. Not that you're just doing what they need, but you're understanding how you can help in their desires. That's I guess chameleon. I love it. That just makes me think of uh, what. Sorry, I was, I was being speechless again. <laughs> Yes, sir. I just started thinking of the, when you said chameleon, the, what is that song from like the 60s, 70s? Boy, is it Boy George? Come, come, come. Karma, 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 chameleon. Yes. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. I thought you were, were going to go riding dirty. Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> that too. Oh, chameleon <laughs> Or take it to the next level, Weird Al Yankovic, White Nerdy. I haven't heard that one in a while. That's a throwback, too. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. So, Kyle, we, uh, we, we keep talking about pies and we keep talking about doors <laughs> and keeping okay. doors open. So, like, since you have uh, completed your fellowship, um, you know, what, what kind of doors has it opened for you? So, so far, I think it's it's – it hasn't, I haven't really taken full advantage of it yet. I think I've, I came back to Winchester and got married and, um, and now my wife is finishing her doctorate currently. So when she finishes her doctorate in education, I think we're going to follow her career path. <laughs> and so then hopefully that'll then take me. But right now I'm, I'm doing a little bit of teaching. I'm, I'm working in an outpatient facility. I'm doing a little bit of home health care. I'm doing a little bit of teaching, doing some international work, so mm-hmm. a little volunteering. So I think I'm still trying to figure out my path, but I'm hoping that you know, with the networking and the connections and the ability to teach, it'll open me up for even more opportunities if we do move and and look into farther steps. Gotcha. I got you, dude. Your 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 path so far reminds me of a great, like oddly enough, Tolkien <laughs> quote. 
Um, and that's that's the one that you see tattooed uh, very stereotypically on like millennial girls' necks and arms. Uh, and that's the <laughs> <laughs> not all those who wander are lost. Mm. Mm, that's um, good. It's just it, it, to me, it kind of reminds me that like you know, it's it's good to do that to have all those avenues and to like continue to kind of find yourself mm-hmm. and to as you said, like say yes to a lot of things because you continue to constantly grow and change and evolve as a, as a clinician and as a person and it just makes you better. And so I love that. I love that kind of like wanderlust mentality that you have, mm-hmm. whether it's like travel, traveling internationally or just within the scope of PT and just kind of being involved in a whole bunch of stuff. I think it's really cool. And I think, I think you, you kind of told, talked about like, you know, if you OCS, you pigeonhole yourself and I would take it the opposite because I've done, orthopedic clinical specialist into a manual therapy fellowship, which you would think, you know, I've taken myself into just treating this so many patients, but I'm 30 hours in the, in the clinic treating. And then I go into home health and I'm treating general orthopedic or, or prosthetics or people who have congestive heart failure. So I don't think it necessarily has to do that. It can be a way for you to think differently and then apply it to anyone or everyone. So I think you're right. I mean, you can wander and be very highly specialized if you if you choose to. Hmm. I love that. Um, so, Kyle, which which character in the Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring would you be? Uh, who's the one who grabs on the t- coattails of all the smart people and and just follows along? Uh, Pippin. All right, then. Or probably. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we had a very strong class, and uh, we, we worked very well together. I think we all had some strengths that, that helped bring us together and could help each other out. So I don't know. We all had a pretty even balance, which was, which was made it amazing, mm-hmm. made it a great program. I would be the dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jake, does that make me the, uh, um, the elf then, if we're going to do that tag team? Yes. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in Mike. Next time I see you, I'm just gonna at, randomly ask you, Legolas, what's your elf I see? <laughs> and it's funny because it it snowed here in Winchester yesterday. I mean, it's mostly gone now because it's been kind of warm. But um, Mike, I imagine that if we walked side by side in the snow, you wouldn't leave tracks, <laughs> and I would be waist waist deep, <laughs> just be walking around the top, uh, much like. <clears throat> Yeah, much like they, you know, Gimli and Legolas experienced when they were trying to climb the mountains of Moria. Um, but, you know, ultimately we're derailed because of Saruman. That guy, man. So. <laughs> so. Yeah, and then Gimli just wanted to, he just wanted to visit his, co- his cousin Balin, and, you know, they were all dead. I feel so bad for him. It's a rough life. And then, of course, Frodo, Frodo knocks the stupid barrel into the well, and then all the goblins and trolls come out but you know <laughs> stupid what hobbits you do, man? <laughs> so kyle what what uh what know. are some bad recommendations that you hear in your profession or areas of expertise i think i think we actually see this a lot on social media where people talk about you know the perfect posture or those type of things i mean yes we need to work on how people are when they're in a resting position the idea of moving and keep them moving but i don't think there is one perfect way to do things anything so I think you have to accommodate for the patient and think about that. Uh, that's one big thing. And, and uh, you know, people talk about treating the diagnosis. They have Achilles tendonitis or tendinopathy, and we need to treat that. I think you need to look at the patient as a whole, think functionally, uh, think about what impairments they have and, and treating that versus saying, hey, I just have this one thing I need to work on. How do I fix yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. 
And I think the biggest thing I see is when a, a therapist says they know what to do, because <laughs> I don't think we have the answers. And that's just me getting humbleized by a year uh, in Chicago by really great mentors who, who made me question a lot of things. And I don't think we have the answers. I think we have a long way to go until we ever did have the answers. So if you tell or give recommendation, I don't think you need to be as strong and assertive of it. But you know, give it as a oh, hey, let's let's try this, let's work this out together, and and make it more of an experience than a um, I told you, which is more of that clinician centered, mm-hmm. you know, compared to that patient centered approach. And I think having that and knowing our limits and, and what we don't know is the best way to help yeah. people. I think being being a little bit humble, you know, I think you know, yeah. uh, I think we you run into issues when you when you have that ego and you say I know all the answers, you know, this is how we're going to do things, and this is how you're going to get better. Uh, you need to be able to to be vulnerable a little bit and say, no, I, I don't know all of the things, but here's what I do know. Uh, you know, like, what are your thoughts? Let's work together to make something, you know, beneficial for you. Mm-hmm. Let's... Gotta be, gotta be Jon Snow, man. <laughs> yep. Gotta, gotta know nothing. <laughs> That's perfect. So Kyle, when you're feeling overwhelmed or unfocused or you've lost any of that kind of focus like what what kind of what do you do what kind of strategies do you implement to help get you back on track you know that's something i struggle with i think as i've gotten more involved with a lot of things i've had this issue come up a lot more where i've my brain gets a little scattered and what i've been really working on this is from kind of motivational books and just uh, talking to a lot of mentors is trying to gather myself whether it be five minutes in the car or going to the gym for me kind of gives me that stress relief. And, um, so I've created a, a bucket list. So I really, because my brain's so scattered and there's so many things I want to do, at least I have it written down. I can know I'm checking mm-hmm. something off the list. Uh, I have a five-year plan. I have a 10-year plan. I try to make monthly goals and even mm-hmm. weekly goals. So I try to kind of keep my eyes on each level of the horizon. And that hopefully kind of brings me back and it has so far back to where at least gotcha. I'm trying to get to. Okay. So you, you found that it's pretty helpful for you to, to just write things down and just kind of get those things organized. Cause otherwise it's just like this cloud in the air you're trying to reach through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like Jake, I mean, I, I've, I've talked to him a few times outside of this, but to see him be able to go off on a, on a tangent about something and come right back to it, I couldn't do that. My brain does not work that way. And I think some people work one way and, for me, I, I'd be off and just keep going. So I think I need something to bring me back, and that's, that's gotcha. what works for me. I don't know, man. My, my mind – I mean, you know how they say the, the mind is a terrible thing, right? Isn't that – no, I think it's a terrible <laughs> thing to waste. In my case, the mind, the mind is – my mind is a terrible thing. Um, it's just like – I'm just like so all over the place, and – it's hard for me. Like, like I, I know Mike and I have talked about this before. Like um, he's much more organized than me. He's definitely a list guy like you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, you know, sometimes I make lists and I find that it helps, but I'm, I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I'm, I'm all over the place. My brain goes 50 different directions at once and it, it works for me. I don't know how it works for me. Um, but I don't think you guys would like my organizational style or how many unread emails I have in my, on my Gmail account. Um, I'm just one of those people, but it, it you know, it kind of brings balance to the force. You know, Mike and I are the yin and the yang, you know, the bio, the psycho and the social. Uh, and so, I, you know, you, you kind of need, you need stuff like that and people to, 
to kind of keep you grounded and, um, you know, and, and grow, not just as a clinician, as a human, you know, as we've been talking about with like fellowships and residencies and, you know, having people push you in that regard, but also just, you know, with stuff like this, like doing a podcast or just within a friendship, like we kind of balance mm-hmm. each other out a little bit. It's kind of nice to, nice to For have sure. that. I think you guys have done a great job. I mean, I'd love to see where you guys have come in these few episodes that you've done and the way you connect with each other and the people you have on. So I think you guys are, are doing a great job. I'm Thank impressed. You, We're just excited that we get to have cool people like you on and get to have some mind explosions and, and some paradigm shifts. So that's been fun. <laughs> yeah, we get to do it two or three times and we'll see if this one actually downloads. <laughs> Well, you know, if it if it doesn't work this time, it's all Phil's fault. Yeah, that's right, Phil. Oh man, it'll be his computer, not mine. So, Kyle, I've got a got a couple more questions here, oh, and then we're uh, we're running up to the end. Um, yeah. You had mentioned you had mentioned before that you uh, you you had read a couple of books that were kind of helpful for you. Just kind of curious, like uh, for any of our mm-hmm. listeners out there that are interested in just like nerding out and reading, you know, like what what's like a book that you would recommend uh, for them to read or or anything like that, or what are you reading now? So I just read uh, Leaders Eat Last, which is a great book. Uh, same guy who wrote okay. Start With Why. A lot of those kind of motivational mm. kind of type books. Um, I love Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and those type of ones. But I think one for a, a, a new clinician or someone who's trying to gather their thoughts, even students, uh, there's a book that I had to read. It was called Skills for Communicating with Patients. And it's by Jonathan Silverman. And I got it from a... A, a mentor of mine and I started reading it and I just completely f- fell in love with because it's kind of research based but it talks about how poorly the medical field mm. talks to patients and it made me realize when I had to record my own subjective exams and realize what I was missing and as a patient what I'd want and I think it's uh, it, it really helped me with becoming a better communicator and then using the residency and the fellowship years to to even hone those skills even more. But I think if you're, if you're able to record your own subjective exam, listen to it and then read this book, you'd, you definitely learn a lot about, uh, about what it means to be a good communicator oh, and hearing awesome. yourself. We'll definitely put uh, links to those in the, in the show notes for anybody that's interested in, in doing that. So thank you for that. Appreciate it. Cool. All right. You're welcome. I think we're running up to the end of the show here, and there is uh, one question that we we always ask all of our guests on the show. So, we here at the the Movement Docs, you know, we believe in always moving forward in all that you do. So, based on all of your experiences and knowledge and life and love, the pursuit of happiness, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to anyone listening to the show to help them be the best version of themselves? Oh, pursuit of happiness, my uh, <laughs> that's my favorite movie, um, and I think. For me, actually, it was funny. My wife and I last night watched The Greatest Showman, and the thing I took away from it, because mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie yet, the the concept that I think I always struggle with is always trying mm-hmm. to do the next thing and, and trying to, to get to the end game. And I think like you see in that movie is um, it's happiness is not the end game at all. It's the journey. And so the more you enjoy and actually uh, take in the journey, the, the happier you're going to be overall and, and the, the better life's going to be for you and the less miserable you'll be at the end of it. That's freaking solid, man. <laughs> it's not the end game. It's the journey. I love that. Cause I feel like we, we, so, we so always get caught up in that so much, right? You know, 
that's that's my biggest fault is I do. And I think it's something that I need to work on and I'm going to continue to work mm-hmm. on, but it's a struggle. That's it definitely tough. is. Again, Kyle, not, not all those who wander are lost. You're right. It hits that, that quote hits home. I'll have to get a <laughs> tattoo on my wrist so I can see it maybe. Yeah. Possibly with like a, like an anchor or like That's a it. bird. Something like that. Note right next to it. Oh my God. Or two. Yeah. Right. Two. You know, maybe That's behind the left ear. Mm. Kind of coming down the neck a little bit. Right I'll where the, uh, the splenius capitis attaches. Well, you know, they have those clear ones now where I guess you don't mm. see it, but it's there. The clear tattoo, so maybe I can incorporate that into there somewhere. Is it like a black light it's tattoo? A, Do you have to like shine certain things on it for it to um, pop up? You know, I don't know. I only had one patient tell me about it, but I didn't really dive too much farther into it. So but hmm. there's something about some clear ones. It'd be interesting to look at. Hmm. Or white or something like that. I've seen, I have seen the, the white ones. Maybe um, that was it. You tell I'm not a tattoo guy. I don't know too much about them. <laughs> well, Kyle, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on our show today. If anyone's listening to the show wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way that they can do that? Yeah, so I'll give you my email. Uh, it's kylefeldmandpt at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook, you can look me up, Kyle Feldman. And then I just started an Instagram. I've never had Instagram, but uh, I have a huge passion for food, and we kind of talked about that. And so I'm actually doing more of the food route. And so it's food therapy 10. So it's a combination of therapy and food. <laughs> right for me, food is my therapy. Um, so, so hopefully one day that'll that'll blow up. But right okay. now it's, it's still pretty small. Well, that's perfect. <laughs> and then is there a, is there a way that, um, like if we wanted to get involved with PT Day Service, how how would we do that? Yeah. If you go to PT Day of Service, if you put that in Google, it's going to be your first hit. Um, you can also email me about how we can get involved and, and what you can do. But um, there's so many things, whether it be international trips you're interested in, residency, fellowship, PT Day of Service. Uh, let me know, and I'd love to help you in any way possible. I, I tend to respond to everyone anyone pretty quickly, so you let me know uh, any question, and I'll get to it. Perfect. Well, great. Well, thanks again for tuning in this week where we spoke with Dr. Kyle Feldman. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or have a topic that you'd like us to discuss, shoot us an email at tmdmovementdocs at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thanks.